um, I do get asked this question a lot by people, and I actually get asked it more by younger people, like as um, young as like nine, ten years old, and they want to know. Um, they want. They want actually. I think what they see is someone that um, supposedly is getting the best of both worlds, and um, also I think what they see is that it's possible to be faithful and committed to your deen mm. and still have aspirations in, in the worldly life as well. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to today's episode of Unscripted Podcast by Sam Trinity. I'm your host, Salman Bhatt. We've got a very interesting podcast for you uh, up ahead today. Uh, I always say that you know we have a special guest, but today's special guest, mashallah, is someone we've been trying to have uh, you know organize our schedules for a while. He's a very close uh, author, uh, someone close to Sam Trinity. He's a friend of mine, and I consider him a teacher as well. Is it is uh, Imam Sheikh Asim Khan. Um, Many of you know him from uh, Islam Trinity and also he's the Imam of Redbridge Islamic Center. He's the author of The Heart of the Quran, a book about the tafsir, a commentary of the tafsir of uh, Surah Yasid, and a, and a very close uh, friend of ours. But uh, before we get into the before we jump in, I just wanted to remind you very quickly. It's very annoying. I get annoyed by it. You get annoyed by it. So let's just do it and get it over and done with. Remember to click subscribe if you're interested in this kind of content. Hit the bell notification if you want to get notified and get this uh, any juicy content straight to your uh, notifications panel, whatever it is. Uh, also, remember to get involved in the comments. Let us know what you think. Get involved in the conversation. Uh, and also, thirdly, please do, if you can, uh, support Islam to see £5 a month. Let's try and get 250 people from this video to support £5 a month to Islam to see unscripted and Islam to see generally. It's only 16p a day. I believe you can do it. I can do it. You can do it. Let's get on with the show. Okay, Sheikh Asim Khan. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam Dr. Salman. Thanks for coming on. It's been a it's been a long time coming. Alhamdulillah. It has. It has. I've been avoiding you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, you've been uh, you've been around in a Islam Trinity kind of ecosystem probably longer than I have. Mashallah, you have. You've been writing for a long time and stuff. Um, I wanted to, and you know, there's a lot of stuff I wanted to talk to you about. Um, it's been sure, a long time sure. coming, as I, as I mentioned. But um, just from your own words, uh, from your own perspective, how would you describe your um, your journey? Right. So the people out there, they know they could read your bio. They're like, you know, pharmacist becomes, you know, uh, studies knowledge becomes like an imam sheikh. Um, who yeah. would you say? What would you say was the trajectory in your uh, in your life? Because some people, you know, they have that road to Damascus moment. You used to be a roadman, whatever. <laughs> but you're mashallah, okay. you were you I were practicing. Talk about that part of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mashallah practicing from young age. Both parents were mashallah, you know, uh, practicing. So I mean, I want to hear it from your own. You know, let let the people hear from your own uh, words. Yeah, sure. Bismillah. So um, I do get asked this question a lot. I. People and I actually get asked it more by younger people, like um, as young as like nine, ten years old, and they want to know. Um, they want they want actually. I think what they see is someone that um, supposedly is getting the best of both worlds, 
And um, also, I think what they see is that it's possible to be faithful and committed to your deen mm. and still have aspirations in, in the worldly life as well. Uh, that's just what I've gleaned from conversations. But for me, I never, ever imagined myself as being uh, an imam or a teacher or anything in that, anything in that capacity uh, whatsoever. I just um, really like studying Islam. And at the same time, when I, when I began that journey of studying Islam, I was already in university. So I started off quite late. Okay. And um, so I kind of chose to do pharmacy because I knew that I wanted more from life than just work. And I, I had this vision of pharmacy as a career path that gave you options because yeah. because of the, the work pattern, because of pay and stuff like that, I, I envisaged that you know I could work and part-time and do other stuff. Other stuff in that moment was, was studying Islam mm. alongside having a family and all the rest of it. So I did make a conscious effort of choosing pharmacy for that reason. Um, I did enjoy chemistry in A-levels, but that was the only real connection between pharmacy mm. um, and personal interest. More so you knew from a young, young, kind of when you were younger, you knew that about locuming and stuff. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> it's uh, quite uh, wise beyond your years. You can uh, earn good, good money, and yeah. at the same time, it's not too much of a taxing type of career if you go into community pharmacy. Is that still anyway, the case now? No, any budding young pharmacist. I realized that was a, I was sold a fake thing. <laughs> <laughs> that world didn't exist anymore because things yeah. have changed. And NHS funding went down dramatically. Community pharmacy wasn't what it was mm. uh, in in two thousands. So when I came onto the scene, I realized that actually to make to just earn an average or above average type of living, I'd have to be working full time. So if I go back to university days, um, studying pharmacy, mm. I, I got a passion to learn Arabic and to study fiqh and these kind of things. I'm trying to work out what's the best way. And I just approach it in a kind of practical way. I'm studying pharmacy. It's going to be four years, but they give me good some holiday mm. break, three months. So I, um, before starting university, one of my mates went out to Egypt to study Arabic and it's interesting because that friend went to study Arabic because he didn't do too well in his A-levels. And we would come back on the train. He had the results in his hand. And he's like, you know, I failed this, I failed that. What should I do? So I said, to him, why don't you go to Egypt? Because apparently when you go there, you can study Arabic within a year and get really good. And then, you know, that could be a year away, come back and maybe do more A-levels to reset them and then, or do something else. So he actually took my advice. He went to Egypt. Now I'm in uni. And he's uh, emailing me uh, that, look, it's amazing out here. Why don't you come out here during some mm-hmm. holidays? So lo and behold, some holidays, first one. And I decide, you know what, I'm going to go for it. So I went there and saw that actually this is really nice. You can study intense Arabic and you meet amazing people from around the world. And I think that passion for learning Dean only grew because I saw, I remember seeing like, youngsters from Russia, Muslims, and 
um, I think from, I can't remember now, but uh, I know from Russia, there was a few youngsters there that were very, very, mm-hmm. living very modestly, okay? And they, I heard that they didn't even have enough money to have eat meat. I think they had to, used to eat meat once in a month. Mm-hmm. So we called them around to our flat to host them, made some food, and um, there was loads of them. I was thinking, mashallah, you know, and I looked at them, I thought, they have sacrificed a lot more than I have to come here to study. And they're more hungry to study than I am. And I think those kind of experiences kind of pushed me to mm-hmm. realize that it's possible to uh, really excel in studying deen, no matter what your challenges are. Mm-hmm. So basically every year, some holidays to go back to Egypt, um, Arabic, Quranic studies, Tajweed, wherever I could muster in that time. And then when I came back, I'll be doing my uni work at the same time. On the back burner, I was continuing that Arabic study as well mm-hmm. and anything else I could get my hands on, trying to utilize the local scholars as much as possible. And um, that's how the journey kind of began. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, it wasn't about becoming anything. It was just about, you know, trying to learn Arabic and mm-hmm. read Quran properly. Mashallah. So um, who, who would you say was, was, you know, influential in your life then? Apart from Taman, you know. Apart from yourself, obviously, yeah. <laughs> Don't embarrass me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think the single most influential person in my life at that stage was uh, Sheikh Haitham al Haddad, Allah. I remember once would, I, was, um, I was taking somewhere, taking him somewhere in my car, and we were having this conversation. I was saying, you know, Sheikh, I want to finish memorizing the Quran by this time and then um, possibly learn another. And you know, then hopefully I can get this ijaza thing. That was on my mind at that time. I want to get this ijaza. So he kind of broke the conversation. He said, "Why do you want to get an ijaza for? Are you why are you doing it for? To get just a, a piece of paper that says that you know how to do X, Y, Z." And it was kind of like a light bulb moment that look, your study of being needs to be for a higher purpose than just enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And qualification, it must be for, uh, you know, a noble purpose. And I think that is the moment where I started to reevaluate. Okay, why am I doing this? Where do I want to take this? How can I benefit myself in the akhirah with this, mm-hmm. and maybe even other people in this dunya as well? But uh, it was conversation like that with. So what was the answer? Like hmm? Did you? What was the answer that you gave yourself? Was it? Did you? Did you kind of develop a vision for your own dawah? I think it, it slowly it slowly developed and in the in the in the beginning said you're just like and I wouldn't mind being some being a person who helps others read Quran or learn certain things about Islam. Mm. Um but it grew to when I realized that hang on a minute, uh everyone should be on this journey. You know, why am I one of the few because uh, everyone can do it. If I can do it, mm. a lot of people can do it. They don't realize that. So then it kind of became like, maybe I could be the guy who shows other people that you can do a lot of stuff and still be a graduate, uh, you know, have hold down a job, have a family, whatnot. And what kind of, mm. uh, <clears throat> what kind of position would you have to fire to get that across? And I think that's one of the reasons I want to become an imam because I knew that if I become an imam, even though I'm doing it part-time, 
people will know that this person works as a pharmacist and yet he's an imam as well, questions will arise and people would hopefully start to think, you know what, mm. if that guy can do it, I'm pretty sure I can do it as well. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of conversations I have with yeah. people nowadays as well. Yeah. I mean, I was looking over at your the art, your articles at some point to see, and generally like your uh, videos and stuff available online, and I found a focus of uh, you don't really focus much on uh, you know controversial issues or things that you know will that that some that that are easily kind of that go viral and stuff, but rather you uh, you try and you you seem to have a a focus on Quran and tafsir in particular. Mm-hmm. Was that a conscious kind of effort that you you or a conscious decision you made decision you made at one point? It was actually, and again, it was a piece of advice given to me by Sheikh Hatham. Mm. So I was I was trying to. It was a phase in my life where uh, I was getting invited to do talks and courses, and messages were asking me to come and speak. And it was you know my choice. What did I want to talk about? What did I want to teach? Mm. And then I remember asking Sheikh. Um, should I teach Sira? Should I teach Fiqh? You know, what, what would be a good subject? So he said that there's two topics which you, which people will accept universally, no matter who the speaker is, and will not find controversial. Mm-hmm. And those two were Quran and Sira. And from yeah. the two, my passion more so was for Quran. And then I think that's when I started. Yeah, I remember you really worked focus. on the prophetic timeline as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that yeah. was that was actually before that conversation. Mm. Um, but that was like a so little had project I wanted in, to do. Had a bit of an interest in Sira before that. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, who doesn't, right? Everyone loves the Sira. Everyone mm. loves reading about the life of the Prophet Sallam. Uh, but then I realized that in in terms of the Quran, everyone like respects the Book of Allah. Everyone uh, knows that it's the word of Allah and, mm. you know, it has the highest authority in their life. At the same time, not a lot of people know what the Quran is about. Not a lot of people um, have read the Quran in a language they understand, um, cover to cover, or even, mm. um, you know, big portions of it. So I, I realized that, you know, there's, there's a big gap here in the mind of the Ummah especially in the West, about this this beautiful message from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there were people, I could see that there are people trying to pursue this line and shed a light on the Qur'an and make it accessible for uh, English-speaking audience and the young and the, and the youth as well. And I felt like I should be part of that movement as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think I've looked back since. I mean, obviously I like to teach other things as well, but my real passion education and focus is now centered around trying to be mm. part of that movement that brings about a revolution in people's understanding and appreciation towards the Quran. Salam guys, sorry to butt in, but just a reminder to hit that bell notification when you subscribe, just so you get all the notifications from Islam Tremacy's YouTube channel. Mm, I had something um, Naman Ali Khan say, very interesting thing about he he was talking about his history as well and he was saying that a lot of people back in the day used to refer to the Quran obviously in their lectures in their books and stuff but when he was like in his formative years when he was studying and stuff he was 
He was like, I don't want to use the Quran to prove whatever thing I'm, you know, a lot of people would, you know, refer to Quran in an aqidah book or fiqh yeah. or, you know, to or spirituality discussion and, you know, to kind of give evidence to their point. But he was like, I was more interested in what's Surah Araf saying? <laughs> you know, yeah. what does the Quran say in terms of the Surah, the structure? What is the Quran's uh, discourse and message rather than Here's our discourse, here's our message, here's our dars, and let's kind of yeah. take from the Quran, uh, you know, in order to prove our points or, and, uh, and whatnot. And, and I thought that was quite interesting in terms of a, a, a kind of a, an approach that has naturally would have blessings attached to it. You know, looking at you, the you Quran. You know, I think I agree, and I think that people, some, some of us are so stuck in that uh, mentality where. Again, the Quran is used to prove mm. certain ideas and back up arguments because of the fact that that's how it's usually presented in a lot of literature. So if mm. you read, for example, <clears throat> books in Aqidah, you would easily go away thinking that Ar-Rahman ala al-Arsh istawa, that the All-Merciful uh, you know, rose over the throne or made istiwa over the throne is a verse in the Quran about the idea of Allah being above his creation. When in reality, the verse, those verses are meant to glorify Allah and to instill a sense of awe mm. in the heart of the reader about who Allah is. So if you read it in the Quran, in the context in which it's presented, you would go away with a completely different understanding to yeah. reading that verse as it's presented in books of Aqeelah. Now, they have their reason for presenting it like that. But when you as a Muslim only interact with verses when they're part of a, of a, of a, of a discourse that sometimes is taking yeah. the verse out of its context, though still relevant, you become very disconnected to the actual intended meanings of those verses. Yeah. So that when you read the, read the Quran, eventually you might find it difficult to connect with it because you're trying to read in mm. the context in which you read it in the books of Aqeedah or in the books of Fiqh, etc., etc. So I think there's layers to this problem. Mm. The thing with it, the th- the, one of the many special things about the Quran is it encompasses a, a kind of skill as well. As well as just reading and understanding and research. The, the, the act of Recitation it 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 um, enlists your physical body. <laughs> you know, your requires you to do, repeat and 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 work hard at pronunciation and qira'ah and even beautifying your you know voice and stuff. And I thought I find that really uh, really interesting. You know that it, it's all it's often a uh, an entry point for many people who want to yeah. um, become practicing. Quote unquote, come close to Islam that they just begin to listen to and enjoy, uh, you know, Quran. And I remember when I, when I started practicing Islam, a bit uh, that was at the same time as like I Quran. The iPhone came out <laughs> a few years okay. before that, and I found this, you know, this I Quran. You can list all these recites, and I just used to, you know, listen to it and 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 enjoy just uh, the, even before I understood, you know, what the what the meaning was, just yeah. enjoying the Qira'ah and stuff. Who, who are the kind of, um, 
I got a little test for you actually. Mm-hmm. I was uh, recording a bit of in terms of uh reciters. Yeah. Who are your who are the people that you like like to listen to and enjoy? I mean, I grew up listening to Sheikh Karim and Sheikh Sudeis. I think those are the two recites in the beginning. And then I, cause I went to Egypt and I started to get, you know, oh. a taste for the classical <laughs> Egyptian, Qurab, Basif, and I mean, Shawi and Husari. Yeah. Um, and then I think I kind of settled on Sheikh Mishar Rashid for a long time. But now I prefer to go back to Egyptian style. Yeah. One two, I got a little test here. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a bit of uh, a basmala from uh, from each from a few, and I'll see if you can uh, how soon you can get it. Yeah. I think that's Mishawi. Yep, yep. I've done these. I've done the similar tests to different. Um, I did it to um, Sheikh uh, Muhammad Yahya. Okay, so and I better uh, do worse than him, otherwise <laughs> I'll show him up. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, uh, and I did it to um, Sheikh Wissam Sharif. Okay. Yeah. He's very into, mashallah, qira'ah and stuff. But these yeah. are like freshly recorded, like high quality as you can tell. So you've got it easiest. No pressure. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Yeah. That was quick, mashallah. How about this? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Okay. Good. We'll do a little uh, thing on screen. The the, the the milliseconds it takes you to. <laughs> All right, last one. It's a bit of a trick one. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Yep. That's the four. Mashallah, I think you got it right. Uh, yeah, but did I get it right in the quickest time though? Yeah, that's 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 what people want to know. <laughs> this is going to be done, but this is going to be revealed by the the magical show business, right? Okay. In in, in post production and stuff. But you know, going back to your question, your point about how people's first interaction with the Quran is usually trying to learn how to recite the Quran and learn the tajweed of the mm. Quran. I think that uh, anyone out there who you know has a passion. For reading Quran and studying Quran, they should use this knowledge to help people because you know you come you you find that you cross paths with people that um, you know they're not very religiously inclined or committed, but they would be happy to do a course in learning how to read Quran. Mm. You should take the opportunity to either direct them to it or to give them provide them that uh, initial contact with the Quran and teach them how to recite it because. Not only will you get the reward of teaching them the the how to recite the Quran, but also you can then shine a light on the idea of, of studying the Quran and mm-hmm. reading the Quran for the purpose of not just reciting but learning its message. Uh, and that transition is a transition we want everyone to go through, and mm-hmm. that's what we call for. That look, mashallah, a lot of people read the Quran, recite it uh, like a holy book for barakah reward which is great but they need to take the next step which is to read it as a message from Allah mm. to understand and to be touched by the meanings and that doesn't need a specialist to for you to hold your hand and to get you to do that uh, you can do that by yourself obviously you need help 
to try to master it and to get to the depths of it. But I'm telling you, when you take that step mm. and you uncover this treasure, you will be driven to find someone to help you to explore those meanings. So it's literally, when you take, when you, just like the blue pill and the red pill, you take that pill, that's it, there's no turning back. You're just going to go down this path, and this path is just uh, the best way to live your life. Mm. What do you think some of the, um, you know, the, the uh, talking about the, the kind of, just the ease with which everything's available now, and I'm just thinking back to the whole Quran stuff that I mentioned. It's so... Do you think it, I think Sheikh Ashraf once I was talking chatting to him He was like really passionate He was saying We're living in the golden age Of the Quran mm. Like you know Where You might think This is You know when you, you, The golden age of the Quran Was in the past When you know The, the You know the Maybe the schools of thought Of Or, of, or, or um, You know the, the, the early Early days And, 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 and what not But Back then yeah. it was very difficult For the average person To find a copy of the Quran. You had to go somewhere to the the Quran of the town or the Qari of the town and cheat and get you know learn it. And obviously, there's there's so much benefit and barakah in that. You know the the, the difficulty, the physical um, effort you go to and you you hold it dear to your heart. But in terms of the actual Quran being available, it's probably and and the number of tafsirs and you know the full recitations of the Quran available. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I just uh, for for this thing we've been doing on Instagram, this daily du'as thing. I don't know if you've seen it. Just like a du'a from the Quran and the Sunnah every day on Instagram okay. reels. Just been like looking at uh, there's this thing called altafsir dot com, and just a drop yes. down menu is like so many. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the entire nice. Quran, and it's amazing that uh, you know he was like, we are living in the in the golden era of the Quran, you know. Um, I think that. Sorry, I just realized access, that my f- my yeah. video was, <laughs> my camera's off uh, all this time. So you were just staring into a. You didn't have the barakah of the, the blessing of looking at my face while I was. I know, to... I know. Can I go back to that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so I think that the access to Quranic to Quran and Quranic literature is um, mm. definitely a lot greater today than it has probably ever been before but you know information overload sometimes mm. is a bad thing as well because it's like a type of delusion yeah it's i've got a bookshelf full of amazing works and it's right there literally i could just reach up and take it but i never pick one up but as long as i know it's there <laughs> it's mine i kind mm. of feel like i've got it but i haven't got it so sometimes mm. lack of access can actually drive you to um, really take ownership of something. I think that's something mm. a lot of people maybe are suffering from. Like, there's so many apps, there's so many websites, so many yeah. courses, and it's like you become fussy. Like, oh, maybe I'll learn from him. No, actually, I'll wait, and maybe I'll learn from this person, or I'll wait for the next edition of this book to come out. And you just end up um, being in limbo, basically. Or, but thankfully, there's only one Islam like, on C. <laughs> so, and, until Islam Twenty puts out the next article, you're yeah. lost basically, yeah, yeah. you know, and you can't live like that. Um, however, having said that, Arabic language is the key to understand the Quran. So, from that perspective, 
things are looking mm. quite positive as well because the desire for you know non-arabs non-arab muslims to learn arabic is from my experience anyway only increasing yeah. and that's an that's an amazing thing because usually people want to learn arabic because they they want to read the quran they want to send the tarawih and hear the imam you know recite mm. and be affected and that feeling i'm telling you is you can't it's can't describe it. i remember in egypt when we used to have this very amazing uh, imam um Sheikh Rida, and his recitation was like mm, yeah he came down to a song well. he listened to a song yeah we used mm. to go pray behind him and he used to just people would want him to read longer and longer and longer now yeah. i arrived in egypt praying behind him every day i'm going to an arabic and then one day i'm standing there listening to him and i catch a word or two almost like jumping for joy in the salah that i i managed to have to repeat your prayer Rahaba means he went and alb means heart something like that i was like yeah. wow and you can't explain it because it's like quran has been so distant mm-hmm. you felt like you need all these people in between to kind of help you get access to it and then all that in that moment everything just yeah. vanished and it's just you and allah's words and that feeling i'm telling you is It Even if it's uh, something like a, just a, a random ayah any from anywhere. Welcome <laughs> guys, what do you think of the conversation so far? Agree, disagree? Have any reflections, comments? Let us know in the comments section below and be part of the conversation. My just <laughs> yeah, just you put pro- you put it I remember I remember telling my dad rahimahullah and like I think I was in a bus something I was like look, idhhabu bi qamisi hadha. I understand what he means. <laughs> and it's very easy compared to what you might think. Like I remember what I did years ago was just 200 words or something that that I think it was a PDF or an app or something 200 yeah. words or 300 words or something and that's 80% of the Quran's vocabulary. Yeah, there is a book about yeah. that as well actually just giving you those words and yeah. I think it's called 80% of the of the yeah. Quran in words. Um yeah, so the, the, very easy for, the yeah the vocabulary of the Quran is is not that vast. Mm. Um, that's not to say that the language is simplistic it's just that maybe it's a blessing or mercy from Allah that mm. the, the the variety of arabic words though they are so vast the quran actually only selects a, a, quite a small number of them mm. uh, to communicate the its message which is even more amazing because it's a, a miracle that is unmatched <laughs> and yet it doesn't rely mm. on the vastness of the arabic language to to deliver its miraculous yeah. nature um that's one thing the other thing is that the quran talks about so many different subject matters that is something which is quite refreshing as well um so i always like to ask my students if we ask 100 people on the street 100 muslims at random on the street what does the quran talk about mm. what would they say what what would be the what would be the top three things that they say so let me ask you this question so if you were to survey 100 muslims at random on the street what do you think the three topics uh if you ask 100 people would, not if you ask me yeah. yeah but if you ask 100 people random people, people yeah random people muslims they'll probably say do's and don'ts yep even though i i mean i know technically that's incorrect i think in terms of like the majority of quran but they'll say do's and don'ts they might say stories of the past yep and fire and brimstone yeah 
Yeah, hundred percent. So this is this is common, and I think a lot of people do have this very distant understanding of the Quran speaking about the big things, and the big things mm-hmm. are, you know, speaking about heaven and hell, speaking about ahkam uh, rulings, um, and when you read the Quran, you're like, actually, for example, if I want to read about Ramadan, a pillar of Islam, fasting in Ramadan, everything is being placed on one one page and a quarter. Mm. Uh, the entire Quran is only six, seven verses dedicated to talking about the do's and don'ts of one pillar of Islam. That begs the question, mm. what is the rest of the Quran about? Clearly it's not to do with do's and don'ts. Um, and then you realize, actually, talking about politics, marriage, divorce, relationships, uh, it's talking about economy, it's talking about friendship, family problems, um, and there's so many topics. There's mm-hmm. one one of the one of the um, Spanish Andalusian scholars, uh, Ibn Arabi. He wrote a, a work in Tafsir called Ahkam al-Quran. And in his introduction, he says that if you were to count the subject matters in the Quran, then they were total 8,840 subject matters. What? So How can you get 8,000 from 6,000 verses, verses? Yeah, so he's, 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 yeah, he's, he's basically yeah. saying that you want to read about something, look no further than the Quran. Mm. And that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the reasons why the Quran is actually quite uh, engaging to read because it shifts between so many different topics and all those mm. topics really and truly they are highly relevant to your personal life. And so I think one of the pieces of advice I give to people who are new to Quran is that if you read it with the lens that look, this is going to talk to your soul and give you guidance on your dilemmas that you are facing in your personal yeah. life, you will find that this book is indispensable and you would turn to it in your time of need. So it's literally just a shift mentality. Mm. Do you think that um, what, do, do, is there a? Uh, in, I'm just thinking about that eight thousand topics now. <laughs> do you think there's mm. a, is there like a, an index or something or some kind of book that that catalogs these? That would be quite useful. And, you know, what does the Quran say about X Y Z topic? Yeah, there's there they, in the Arabic language. They are they're known as the Tafsir Maudu'i, so it's like a mm. thematic type of. Um, I thought those were the tafsirs that were weak or made up. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so thematic type of tafsir is one way is to say, uh, let's look at the Quran based on yeah. topics. So all the verses pertaining to marriage, all the verses pertaining to, uh, you know, uh, family. But even then, do the they they don't like number food. that many topics, right? Hmm? They don't remember. They, they don't number that many. Anywhere near like it wouldn't 8, number 000, in the it? in the thousands as yeah. in Arabic. It should be like an encyclopedia but, or something. Um, I think, obviously, mm. if you're a, if you're a scholarly person, then you can categorize things into finer details. If so anyone's out there say, he's, who's got a few years spare, <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe do this khidmah to the ummah, or, or maybe if you if you know if it exists, somewhere then share it in the comments below. Yeah. Um, like for example, we'd say, "Oh, this these verses are talking about economy." Yeah. And somebody else would come along and say, "No, actually, this is macro. This is micro. This is, you know, mm. all the different subcategories of yeah. uh, looking yeah. at that subject matter." So I think, no doubt about it, there's there's something um, 
amazing in the Quran in its diversity. Yeah. And this is actually, um, I think the verse in Surah Al-Kahf, وَلَقَدَ صَرَّفْنَا فِي هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ مِنْ كُلِّ مَثَلٍ that we have uh, diversified in this Quran with all types of method. And the word method can be translated as example, but also can be translated as styles. This is one of the understandings of the Mufassirun as well. So Allah is saying that in this Quran, you literally have no reason to walk away from it because it's talking to you in every, mm. with every possible style and means that a human being would need to understand a message. And that is part of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you read the Quran, you've got verses talking to you directly. You've got verses talking to you from a historical perspective. Mm. You've got verses telling you to reflect over nature. You've got verses that are encouraging you, warning you. You've got poetic style of verses. You've got um, you know, verses that uh, are speaking about abstract things. And then you've got verses speaking about concrete things. Yeah. You've got similes. You've got metaphors. You've got, you know, a whole, whole, basically whatever, you know, just felt like saying you that. know, when, in, in, when people talk, and what is that uh, course that people do? Um, they learn like how to become life coaches and things like that. NLP. NLP yeah. I don't know so, why I thought I want NLP. <laughs> what is that course? <laughs> Are you doing it on me right now? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. in that you learn think people are like neuro-linguistic programming I think yeah three or four different learning mechanisms one is kinesthetic one is I can't remember them mm-hmm. but and I was thinking wow so in a way the Quran is like talking to uh, people on their level and mm. you know some people on this level some people on that level and literally you've got no excuse to to say the Quran just doesn't speak to me mm. in reality there's something there for everyone I remember when I mean, a lot of people used to say, you know, maybe a cliche that, oh, if you know Arabic, then, um, it, you know, as soon as you hear Quran or you're in your next tarawih, your heart will be flying out of your chest and stuff. It's mm. important to give people a realistic uh, expectation as well that, you know, you have to pay attention. You have to be in the right frame of mind to receive yeah. some guidance as well. And, and sometimes you hear the same ayah. It's fine, like it will just go through one ear and out the other, but you you might be another frame of mind another time, and it will just start to shake you. And I'm, I've always thought, yeah. what is the difference between that? Like, I don't know, some maybe in like, you know, obviously, an internal person, like maybe, you know, you're, you, if your friend died and then you hear something about death or something, then obviously that that's, you know, that, that, that makes sense. But generally, something like, I just remember, like, an, sometimes an eye will just keep ringing in your head, and it will, and it, and it will be, you know, you're thinking about it all the time. And uh, like, I remember just in salah once, I just some. Mm. This guy, I thought that would, like hit me. <laughs> I don't know why, yeah. but sometimes, like, something very simple, into you know, from material sense, it will just shake you up. But yeah, sometimes the same. Sometimes you can't really put your finger. You yeah. can't really put your finger on why. I think, think that uh, you know your spiritual state mm. affects the power of which you would experience the Quran. Mm. If you're 
not really if you're distant from Allah and you're not really maybe praying your salah on time and you know and then you hear the Quran you know if Allah wills you'll 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 be impacted but mm. usually in that scenario in one ear out the other but mm. another day you're on top of your prayers being close to Allah maybe you gave some sadaqah you listen to the same verse and you feel like it's penetrated your heart I think that's one thing the other thing is that you know what you're going through in your life may resonate with what you read as well so for example Sayyid Qutb he, when he wrote the tafsir of Surah Yusuf he wrote it I think after or during his time in prison yeah, yeah. and he said that you know kind of thoughts that come to my mind in terms of reflections about this surah I've never had before and I can only put it down to the fact that I am in prison and about to come across mm. the verses about how Yusuf al-Islam was once upon a time uh, in prison as well but here's the crazy thing when I was in Egypt I remember taxi drivers Christian taxi drivers Coptic Christians they would play the Quran okay and in the beginning, I thought they were doing it because, you know, the Muslim guy sat in my car, so for his benefit. But even then, so I was thinking, why would they even have Quran in their car? Until one day, I got in a taxi, and the guy had it on before I got, got into yeah. the car. And, you know, there they have the tattoo of the, of the cross on their hand, usually on the inside, sometimes on the, on the back of them. So I said to him, like, you know, you listen to the Quran, how come you listen to the Quran, you're a Christian? So he said in the slang that, you know, I just love to listen to it. And I said, do you love to listen to it even though it's condemning you sometimes? <laughs> he just smiled at me because oh, I love to listen to it. And I was like... I don't listen to out? those parts. Like, <laughs> what kind of uh, randomness is this? Like, yeah. marvel at the fact that he loves the Quran. At the same time, the Quran is telling you go to the hellfire. And I was thinking, how do you put this together? Anyway, <laughs> so well, my point of relating that is, because, is to say idea. that... Um, is to say that, look... If you listen to the Quran with a particular mindset yeah. of being a slave, blessed to hear the words of your master, you will be affected. Mm. Even if you don't understand what's being said. Mm. You know, so, you know, our mothers, you know, many of our mothers don't know Arabic, will never learn Arabic, um, but yet they can cry when reading the Quran. And you know that they don't understand. And you know Arabic, and your heart is hard. So it's not it's not only about mm. you know what you know, it is about your frame of mind. And that is the most important thing. You read it, you know, some people read the Quran like a critic, that Orientalists and you know, people that don't like Islam. They read the verses. Yeah, and they they study the verses maybe mm. more than we study, but because they've come to the Quran like a critic, Allah doesn't give them anything from it except more misguidance. But if you came to the Quran like a beggar, you would leave with a treasure. Mm-hmm. And if you feel like that, you would see that what you get from the Quran, maybe, you know, somebody who studied their whole life um, mm-hmm. Arabic and Quranic studies would not be affected as much as as much as you. So that doesn't have a take away from the fact mm-hmm. that we all must plan to learn Arabic, mm-hmm. you know, so we can study the Quran. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's just so much we can say about the Quran. I'm really interested in kind of focusing on or reminding myself and whenever I have a conversation with people about the Quran that don't forget that this was originally, the original audience is an 
or is a is a, as an audience hearing it this is an audible mm. miracle and focus on that you know how the ayat sound like the rhyming when the rhyming changes something maybe changes you 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 need to put attention to the subject uh the the length of the ayat the the the, the rhythm sometimes as well mm. you know um it's really interesting when you think about that Okay. Even even the word the the word Quran, you know yeah. that is from the root, which means, means the object of recitation. Yeah. The interesting thing about the Quran, literally meaning the thing to be recited, is that it's alluding to the experience of the Quran being one to do with the ears mm. before the sight, and that's important because when you read the Quran silently, you're depriving yourself of the Quran's beauty mm. and its benefit. Mm. So always read the Quran out loud. Obviously, you don't disturb people, but read it out loud wherever possible. Yeah. And just the reading experience, hearing the words of Allah, as well as looking at them, mm. uh, will have a will have a greater effect on you. And um, this thing about you know the style, the stylistic features of the Quran, just in terms of sound. Uh, if you if you were to, for example, pick up the Musaf now. And go to Surat Qamr. Yeah, have a look at Surat Qamr. So Surat Qamr, what Surah number is Surat Qamr? Can you say like Zakir Naik? Surah 54. <laughs> Chapter number 54. Surah 54. So if we look at Surah 54, let's see we got what page uh, is all it? together 55 verses. What page is it? 528. If you look at Surah Qamr and you look at the verse ending, this is 55 verses altogether. What do you notice about the verse ending? Mm. They often end with the Ra. Not often. Always. I never noticed that. Subhanallah. Every single verse ends with the Ra. There's mm. 55 verses there. How is it possible? That you could construct a passage of writing and end with the mm. end with one letter every single time, and yet this is the this is really the the majestic feature of the Quran. It doesn't immediately become apparent mm. to the reader, even though if you did in English, it would become very clear. Hang on a minute, this guy is trying to finish every sentence with <laughs> uh, you know a P or a B. That's quite that's weird, you know. Yeah. Or maybe it sounds good, but still. And then in order to keep that pattern you'd have to sacrifice meaning because you wouldn't be able to squeeze in meaning mm. and rhyme at the same time. Mm. But in the Quran, it's the opposite. The stylistic features there is so subtle and yet becomes so obvious when you're told about it. And yet the meaning is not shifted or tainted in order to uphold that stylistic feature. Um, so yeah, every single verse ends with a rah. Just read a few. A'udhu billahi min shaitan rajeem. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Iqtarabat al-sa'atu wa anshaqa al-qamar wa iyaraw ayatay yu'aridu wa yaqoolu sihrum mustamid wa kathabu wa attaba'u ahwa'ahum wa kullu amrim mustaqid. So now when you're reading, you're like, there, see? The rah every single time. But until this day, people never noticed it. Mm. 
Like I know it's about uh, like Surah Maryam often ends mm. with a alif. Yeah, Surah Maryam is like that. Surah yeah. Taha is like that as well. Yeah. Um, so what's interesting is that some surahs, it seems like every verse is going to end its way, but then one or two mm. seem to jump out of the pattern. So some, there's scholars out there, they actually look at why this verse is being exempt from the pattern. Yeah. Is something mm. about this verse? Now, what is the mystery behind it? So people then try to study as to why this verse mm. doesn't end in this particular way, in spite of the fact that every other verse does. Yeah, subhanAllah. And uh, it's interesting that Allah subhanAllah says, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَا تَسْمَعُوا لِهَذَا الْقُرْآنِ وَالْغَوْ فِيهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَغْلِبُونَ You know, make noise, don't, don't listen to it. Make noise during it, <laughs> during its recitation, so that you'll be yeah. successful. You know, the the, the, the the disbelievers say. So there's something that, and they used, that's why they used to say, you know, it, 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 they, they bewitched uh, our sons and, you know, the sihir and magic and, and it's from a, they still ascribed it to a, a supernatural source. <laughs> they just said it's devils and yeah. so forth. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I mean, the best, ex- the best uh, expression they could come up with was mm-hmm. one that still veers towards the supernatural. Yeah, yeah um, it's just crazy, isn't it? And the thing is, the Quran, you know, innahu la Quranu wa mubin. It describes itself as being a very clear book, and something which is mubin is not only clear but is has the power to clarify that which is confusing as well. So they're trying to explain away a book that is very clear in what it's saying and not easy to get confused. Mm-hmm. So they they were jostling with so many different explanations, poet. Uh, Madman, you know, magician, or all the rest of it, um, but they at the same time understood what the what the what the Quran is talking about. Mm. Kind of sorry mm. for the dilemma. Bijari. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we why don't we read it enough? What are the the why do some people not read the Quran enough? I don't, I don't think I read it enough, but is this something you you've been thinking about? I have. I think that is there's a long-standing issue, um, a few long-standing issues that need to be addressed because they are basically becoming like obstacles to mm. to people connecting with the Book of Allah as intended. So there is a there is a there is an argument that you know ordinary people like ourselves shouldn't really delve into uh, the Quran and its meanings and you know, trying to study the Quran um, independent, um, independently at home, for example, with families or whatever, because of the fact that the Quran's knowledge is so sensitive and delicate that only those with specialist knowledge can access it. And therefore, anyone who's attempts to do such a thing could be, could be seen as doing something which is, um, you know, uh, outrageous, something which is... Um, sacrilegious, something which is basically wrong if you've been doing it. Mm. <clears throat> I've come across a lot of people that actually, in the back of their mind, have grown up thinking that. But it's okay to, you know, read hadith by myself, try to reflect and ponder over as much as possible. I can't do with the Quran. Quran is a special knowledge. I need to go to the Imam or the Imamana in order to access the Quran. That already sets, sets a barrier for many people. Mm. Um, having said that, no doubt about it. If you want to study the Quran, you need to study it 
with the help and support of those who are learned. But your reading it in the hope of understanding it yourself is not diminished by this factor. Mm-hmm. You know, and we do this in life with so many things, like you have an interest in a hobby or some kind of science or whatever, you would try to read and understand as much as possible, knowing that there's limits to how far you can get. In order to get to the next level, you're going to need the help of a specialist. But then all of a sudden, we develop this kind of dichotomy, weird type of way of looking at the Quran that actually, you know, it's a knowledge that is not accessible to the ordinary. So I think that's that's one issue. Mm. The other issue, I think, is that um, a lot of people, they haven't been educated as to what they will find in the Quran. And so they go away thinking that it's about the rules and regulations. And mm. in a way, the, if I read it, I become liable because yeah. I, I, I've got to read about a hundred things I've got to do that I'm not doing. Yeah. And that's going to be a bummer. So let me just leave it all together. And again, that's false information because that's not what the, I mean, the majority of the Quran mm. is, is not about do's and don'ts. Um, in fact, the first command in the Quran um, comes after three, three pages. So three pages into the Quran and you get your first command. And the first command is one that no Muslim would dispute or claim to be ignorant of. It's, People, humanity, worship your master, the one who created you. That is the first command. That is the first do. And it doesn't come as a, as a surprise to anyone, right? But my point is that look how much of the Quran you had to read before you got to, you know, do this or, or don't do that. Yeah. yeah, I think that frightens a lot of people as well. Guys, just a reminder please do help support Islam 21 see if you find this content beneficial. Uh, you can support us by clicking subscribe, hitting like on this uh, video, sharing it with your friends and family if you benefit from it, if you think they'll benefit from it as well, inshallah. And also donating £5 a month by clicking here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, in terms of your uh, activities with the Quran. I noticed that you, you know, you had a a book, uh, your your book, Mashallah, Surah Yasin. Uh, we had long-standing series. You know, so I'm trying to see how many, how many um, articles was it? How many episodes was it? I think it was more than eleven. Yeah, somewhere, no, like, some I think it was like twenties. Was it? Yeah, I think. Oh well, okay. Yeah. Let's check it now. <laughs> 38. Wow. 38, 38 articles, bro. Mashallah. <laughs> oh, wow. 39 is <laughs> actually 39. I'm looking at part 39, which is the last okay. one. Okay. Mashallah. So, see, when was the last time you wrote? Uh, wait, what was the last article you. <laughs> that was 2016. Oh, I'm um, <laughs> I want to expose you. Let me tell you, you. about the journey. I want to expose you, if you, uh, if, you, if you resolve to uh, send me a few. Juicy articles soon, inshallah. <laughs> no problem, inshallah. Consider it done. 2022, inshallah. <laughs> Looking bright. Uh, okay, let me tell you about that, the journey of that book, because those articles, you say mm. 39. 39, yeah. That's so right. those, basically what happened is that many, many years ago, I got a call from some brothers up north and saying that, look, they want to study something, maybe Quran-related. And when they asked, when they, when they told me that that's what they wanted to do, my instinct was to consider um, one of my teachers. So 
one of my teachers, I said, look, these brothers, they want to study something. There's no, they say there's no one there who can teach them. So don't mind doing it online. Well, would you consider it? And one of my teachers turned around and said, look, what are you doing? I was like, me? He goes, yeah, you do it. And okay, let's give it a go. And we started doing sort of yeah. See, this was, I think, 2014. Mm. Yeah, 2014. So I said, okay, why don't we study Surat Yasin? We studied Surat Yasin every Sunday, 7 o'clock in the morning, for an hour and a half. Um, what was it? Yeah, 7.30 to 9 o'clock for just under two years. So mm. over two years, every week, we studied Surat Yasin and, you know, went through that and there was a lot of students that were making notes. We gathered our notes together and they said, look, you know, we should try to make make it into a book. And I was like, listen, just calm down now, not writing a book, <laughs> anything like that. So they're like, no, no, we should do something. I was like, okay, maybe we can make it into articles. So mm. what happened is that they gave me all the notes. I started to teach sort of Yasin now as an imam in my local mosque. And I was doing more research and putting stuff together. I thought, okay, I put all this together. I had loads of notes now going to, I think, about 120,000 words document. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one of the students from the first class said, look, uh, send me those notes and, you know, I'll work with another student. We'll try to sort them out, maybe make them into articles. So I was like, okay, fair enough. Let's do this. So they put them together, mm-hmm. we produced articles, and then we had these 39 articles when it got to that stage, again, to the student, he came back and said, look, now you must make it into a book. It's practically there already, <laughs> in 39 articles. I was like, oh, I don't know. So I started dithering. I didn't see myself as a writer or anything like that. I put it in the back burner. Then, no word of a lie, uh, this brother, okay, he met me at a meeting and he said, I've got something for you. Brown mm-hmm. box. Said, open it up, open it up, and there's a book inside, and uh, it's bound and it's got front cover. And the front cover says, I've seen the story I've seen by Asim Khan. I think, What's this? He goes, This is your book. I was like, this in book. I've written a book. He goes, Look, Open it, and I opened it. And the brother had compiled those 39 articles, added mm. a bit here and there, and got it printed and bound. And he showed me. And when I held it in my hand, I was like, Wow, okay. So it is possible to write a book. Okay, so I started thinking about it. Mm. Then I thought, okay, maybe I should definitely do this stuff because this can't really get any clearer sign of that. And plus, I can't really deflate the brother as well after everything he's done. So started this project writing the book, ended up rewriting the whole thing from scratch. Really? Then I thought about images and illustrations. Mm. Yeah, I rewrote the whole thing from scratch because it wasn't I didn't feel it was worthy of being mm in book form as it was. And it was an, it was an incredible journey. It took about a year and a half. And by the time I finished, I was now in a position to look at publishers and I didn't know where to start. I never published a book before, asked a few people. And um, then there was, I got given a contact by someone who was one of the founders of Cube Publication, mm. um, an uncle from Mauritius. And he was, he had left the company, but he was still like a freelancer type of thing. He used to be given manuscripts, he used to read them. And then if you felt that they were good, he'd pass them on to the director mm. of the publishing house and then they would publish them. Anyway, so I got through this uncle 
And what I did is that I produced the first chapter of the book with all the graphics and all the illustrations. So it looked like it would do when it's ready for print. I didn't do the whole book. I just done the first mm. chapter like that. So I gave him the first chapter. Didn't hear anything for two weeks. I thought, okay, maybe I should just let go of this now. Because it had been a long time and I really tried mm. hard to get to this level. So after two weeks, he phoned me out of the blue and he said, look, I'm sitting in my car. My daughter's reading your book and we both think that this is something quite substantial and you've clearly done a lot of work. I'm going to have to, because it's Quran, I'm going to have to give this to the professor of Quranic studies in this university. And if he approves it, <laughs> then I'll pass it on to the publishing mm. house. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen here? Oh, that's why you rewrote it. My work. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to go well. Anyway, I said, okay. I mean, obviously I wanted to be checked, so mm. go ahead. Um, month went past, two months went past. He phoned me and he goes, good news. The professor had a look. He thinks it's really good. He thinks that you reference things properly and it's all good. I'm going to give it to the publishing house. And then, you know, Alhamdulillah, they took it on and eventually it was published. So that was a very long road. Um, mm. But one of the <clears throat> things that spurred me on was this idea that we're not, we're, not in the, we're not in the role of being commentators on the Quran. We're not specialists. That's not our role. We don't, we're not qualified to do that. But we do have a unique role, and that is to be the bridge between regular folks and those super commentaries on the mm. Quran. Just by relating those details in an easy to understand, digestible way. Yeah. And for me, that is a cause worth struggling for. And I see that a lot of people like myself, yourself, can fulfill that role. Mm. No, it doesn't mean you have to be a specialist or a professor. It has to be someone who, you know, understands the English language, understands the context of our people yeah, and yeah. their experiences, and has a passion to read tafsir of the highest mm -hmm. level and then kind of build that bridge between people and, and, and because essentially that is the Quran, mm -hmm. meaning of the Quran. If you do that, then you know, that that is a worthwhile endeavor. Mashallah. accept it. And, yeah. and follow it up Help give the Tawfiq to follow up with more Similar <coughs> series Some trying to see And that <laughs> turn into books, books. <laughs> And books <laughs> So you're also working on another Sira project Another book, right? Uh, yeah, there's currently. a new project called the Simple Sira Project mm. um, I think yeah. I caught the Writer's bug down, man Because I'm <laughs> produced a second book On the Sira of the Mulk That's being uh, going to his final edit now So that should be in bookstores Hopefully after Ramadan Inshallah mm. uh, Similar thing to Surah Yasin Are you choosing um, surahs that people recite often? On purpose? I, In the beginning yes um, Because mm. I was thinking why you know, Surah Yasin everyone memorised it But then I thought that's, the, that's a brilliant reason Because you know Someone who had memorised Surah Yasin If I said to them there's a story inside Surah Yasin. Can you tell me what that story is about? Most people will be like, I mm. didn't even know there's a story inside it. But there is a story of Ashab al-Qariya. And an amazing story with an amazing speech by the believing man, Habib al-Najjar. And so I thought, actually, I should go after that surah because mm. people already have an affection and affiliation to it. And now it will be like, 
Nurun ala nur, right? So you already know the surah, and now you know the meaning as well. I remember one uh, brother. Okay. He 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 blew my mind, man. He, um, I think he was at a retreat somewhere. He was just given a reminder, and he said, "Look, we recite Surah Yasin so often uh, over dying or dead people, and as a cultural thing as well. It's very often somebody dies Surah Yasin, somebody dies Surah Yasin." And then he said, in Surah Yasin, Allah is describing the Quran and he said, it's لِيُنْدِرَ مَنْ كَانَ حَيَّةً It was like the first time I heard it. was like the first time I heard it. You know, this, this Quran, this clear Quran, is to warn people who are alive. Yes. And subhanAllah, yeah. what a qadr of Allah that this is always recited over, over dying or dead people, very often. And within yeah. that same surah, we're, we're saying this. SubhanAllah. It's ironic, isn't it? Mm. So yeah, Surah Mulk I mean, as, as Yeah Surah Mulk uh, And then um, Often Mashallah. Surah Mulk obviously A lot of people remember Surah Mulk as well I'd like to read it mm. Every day So And then this This new project Which is about It's called Simple Surah The idea is to You know Word this carefully now So You know how There's the Harry Potter series And how Our Young <laughs> no, brothers what, What's that <laughs> Love to read it Even the older ones as well The ones that wear glasses The same thing as S Anyway, so no. those kind of people, they they love to read those types of books, right? And I think in, in as as stories go, no one's got a better story than the life of the Prophet no, no. I'm not just saying that of that you know innate respect and love for the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But literally, his story, his life story. The twists and turns, the comedy and the drama, mm. and you know the morals. It is the greatest story you could ever read and ever tell. You literally don't have to. You really don't have to like spice it up or dramatize it mm. much. In Especially order to if you like, add so many huh? interesting ahadith that show the daily kind of routines and things that happened here and there in the life of the Prophet Sallallahu you know, interesting yeah. things where you so know. I, I I realize that look there's there is a gap here mm. um that look the reason why a lot of people only read Sira is when they're kind of like, you know, reach adulthood, maybe university age or later even, is because there's nothing in the language mm. of the youth as Sira literature goes. There's some research found out that there isn't actually maybe for young, young kids ten years and below there is, but that Critical year, years of mm. forming your worldview and your values, and you know, trying to build your identity. The input of the sirah isn't there, so the idea was to write a version of the sirah, which is engaging and fun to read, suitable for the young audience, and try to find the sweet spot where. It's written for as young an audience as possible, mm-hmm. at the same time being universally appreciated by adults and even non-Muslims as well. Mm-hmm. So that spot, it seems like, is the Harry Potter series spot. Okay, where kids pick it up. I keep mentioning amazing. the series, I'll Google it later on to see what it is. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I actually haven't, so I don't know I actually haven't read it, I actually haven't read it. But uh, <laughs> was it in two it? yesterday. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, so um, this is what we're working on at the mm. moment. And Alhamdulillah, we've already decided to do two volumes. First volume is about his life in Makkah, second volume is life in Medina. And Has he already written it? 
I've written now four chapters out of five chapters out of fourteen. Okay. So we're on our way, inshallah. And uh, the first thing I've noticed, trying to read as many English pieces of work out there in Sirah, even from non-Muslims, is that no one's really told the Sirah as a story, mm. uh, where it's flowing narrative. It's usually told in a very academic way, which mm. maybe for some people is fine, for myself is fine, for you is fine, but um, for many people it's 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 a it's, it's something you have to be invested in to read. Mm. You know, not something that you just want to read because it, it just reads so well. Mm. Uh, for example, when you read a Sira book, usually it starts by talking about maybe going far the back into Ibrahim Salam's time yeah. and then the time of Jahiliyyah and then, you know, how the Arabs' customs were and politics yeah. and the Byzantine and the Persians. And then you're well into the book already and then you read about the year that the person was born. Mm. And for a lot of people, all of that information before is nice but kind of like a barrier because they mm. pick up the book thinking they're going to read about Prophet Sallallahu and the beginning part is really is not about him did you read about and, or learn or kind of try and get some tips and tools of, about how to write fiction and novels and stuff because that would I'm, I'm assuming really help in the, the yeah. delivery style and stuff no, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of hands that are behind. In terms of how to, you know, how to create uh, a universe in the mind of the reader, how to create a, a characters, how to link them together and stuff. I think there's there's a, there's a lot of. Um, I haven't. I don't. I don't know the first thing about writing novels. <laughs> you know, but yeah, no. I mean, it's a it's a challenge, Habibi, because yeah. all this information that you mentioned about structure and format and yeah. style of storytelling. Um, is is new to me, and mm. something that we're learning, and something that we're gonna we are relying on experts to give input into. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a sensitive matter because this is not the story <clears throat> of any person. It's a story about the Prophet Sallallahu mm. Alaihi and we we need to base it on the raw narrative. We can't, you know, invent, uh, yeah. you know, dialogue that wasn't there. We can't, you know, we can't lead the reader to believe the Prophet said or thought things that are clearly not mentioned in the sources of the seerah. So it's a very, very sensitive, mm. kind of delicate task to piece together the seerah in a storytelling fashion um, at this, at, and keeping that, you know, suspense, the ups and downs and the anticipation and the engaging type of read. Mm. Uh, but I feel like after many attempts, we are there. So I'm really excited inshallah. that when it comes out, inshallah, it will deliver something which hasn't been delivered before, inshallah. Inshallah, yeah, Allah put barakah in it. Inshallah, so I'm conscious of time. I always say this at the end. I've <laughs> 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 taken a lot of your time. Uh, but yeah, Zakla Khair for joining us. Um, no, Zakla Khair to you for inviting me. Thank you. Yeah, uh, no, my pleasure. Uh, you, you were pestering me for a while. I thought I might as well say yes. <laughs> <laughs> But I, uh, oh. I hope to get have have a few draft of your next few articles on my inbox Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. What's your email? <laughs> you deleted already. <laughs> but yeah, so Zakmakhair for uh, uh, joining us, um, and Zakmakhair uh, for you uh, joining at home as well. Uh, if you like this podcast, give it a like and a share. Uh, don't forget to let us know in the comments what you think. 
Sheikh Asim will be reading them inshallah and responding to each one uh, personally I think <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't ironed that out with him yet but uh, and also yeah uh, do click that uh, uh, subscription uh, button that subscribe button and hit the uh, bell notification so uh, you're notified whenever anything new comes out and also do uh, remember to uh, help support Islam 21C five pounds a month uh, it's only guess how much five pounds a month is when you divide it per day, sixteen p. It's nothing, wow. isn't it? So low. Nothing, man. So, Sheikh Hassan going to do it. You're going to do it. Uh, I believe in you. Very easy. Mashallah. Keep the lights on at Islam Training and see. And uh, until next time, I've been your host, Salman But this has been our guest, gracious guest, Sheikh uh, Asim Khan. And to both of you, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, uh.